Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by special guest, Roxana Hussein. Roxana is an award-winning journalist, writer, editor, publisher, as well as a solopreneur. And her mission is to help others overcome adversity in their lives and create a path of overall success. So we're going to be talking about her story and how she's helping others overcome adversity. Roxana, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Curtis. So happy to be here. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Of course. So yes, my name is Roxana Hussein. I live in Los Angeles, California. I am a editor, writer, freelance journalist, and now also a publisher. I have an online travel magazine that I publish monthly. And yes, I work with media firms and corporates both on any of their copy requirements. My background, though, I was born and raised in India, partly also in the Middle East. I moved to the U.S. about 16 years ago and lived in Atlanta, so been on the East Coast and now live here in L.A. on the West Coast. It has been quite a journey moving from another part of the world to the U.S. and figuring out a life here and professional success as well. And so it has been part of my experience and I try to teach others from what I have learned, the lessons learned along my professional journey, ways to you know, network and use introductions and be able to find the professional success that they would like to. I hope that makes a good introduction. <laughs> it does. So what I wanna know is how did you lose your accent <laughs> the accent was something I worked on very consciously, considering that I was looking to work in communications. And a lot of people first interacted with me over the phone. They were usually a little taken aback by the fact that I sounded different from them being in the U.S. And a lot of times the question automatically came to, well, where, where were you educated? Where did you grow up? And the fact that I did not have an educational background here in the U.S. That was a little difficult for a lot of employers to relate to. And so I realized that if I wanted to be in the communication space, my communication skills had to be really good. And that included the way I spoke, apart from also the way I wrote and presented myself. And so that's something I very consciously worked on at the very start. As soon as I knew I was looking for employment in the U.S., I would listen to the radio a lot. I've worked a lot on my addiction. The library has been a blessing <laughs> and I've been watching a lot of shows online to make sure. And there's still, there's still, I will tell you, there are still some words and occasions when I will pronounce a word differently or I will hear someone pronouncing a word and, and I will hear it and I'll be like, okay, that's, I do not pronounce it that way naturally. So that's how it's pronounced here. But yes, it took a lot of effort and it's something I actively worked on based on feedback I was getting from employers. Wow, well, you've done a very good job. <laughs> Thank you. 
tell us what a solopreneur is. Well, a solopreneur basically is a business owner that's primarily working for and by themselves. So for me, it's totally me. I basically have a media company. I do crush time consulting for corporates where I work with them on their copy. And then I do work with media where I'm writing articles for magazines and websites. And then of course I have my own magazine that I publish. So in terms of solopreneurs, it's someone that works totally by themselves. It's usually a one man, one woman army. And you know, everything is, is you are the boss and you are the employee. <laughs> so let's got a couple of networking questions for you. Sure. Tell us the best strategies for networking and introductions, both online and offline. Sure. So I will start with online first because we're still in sort of this very fluid situation of not knowing if everyone's comfortable meeting in person or not. But for me, the primary networking channel has been LinkedIn. I think if you are a professional and a business owner, it's definitely a place you want to be. And I think a lot of people assume that because they will have a profile up there, things are magically going to happen. But like any channel you get, you put into it. So if you are on LinkedIn and you have a profile, you're, you're constantly updating, you're looking at what others are posting, you're being active on that site. There's definitely multiple ways to network. I definitely recommend people who are actively looking for positions or looking to make connections, look for a LinkedIn premium profile. It is a paid profile, so it might not be something that everyone can necessarily afford. But I do understand that there are possibilities to do a month to month on that. And the good part about that is the way I see it. This is one of the best things about a premium LinkedIn account is you can look at who is looking at your account. Now, this is not for you to get all obsessive about who's visiting you, <laughs> but it is for you to notice if this is someone showing interest in your account, there's a reason they're there on a professional website. It gives you a great opportunity to break the ice and get back to them and say, thank you for visiting my profile. I appreciate our interest. How can we collaborate? How can we work together? How can I be of service? Are there projects you're learning that I can be a part of? And this is a great way for you to show that you're looking for some kind of partnership. And I think a lot of people miss out on that because they don't have a premium profile. But this is something that I have actually done over and over again every year and make great connections on LinkedIn and found some really good projects and assignments. So definitely when it comes to online, I, I highly recommend having that. When it comes to offline, I am a part of multiple membership organizations, either on the business side or women's networking or on the journalism side. I do think investing in yourself and having that membership in an association or organization in your industry is a big win for you you make connections, you know what opportunities there are. And I think one of the best things you can do in one of those situations where you're going to meet people in person is to look up ahead and see if you can look at who is attending. A lot of times there will be a list of attendees. There will be some kind of mention of the speakers, who you can expect to meet there. And if there are people you want to meet, look ahead and see if you can get an appointment with them. Again, try to connect with them on LinkedIn or if they have an email, an official professional email online that you can find, connect with them and ask them for a little bit of their time at this event, which means both of you know you're going to meet each other at this spot 
both of you know that you're gonna get something out of this networking event that you previously didn't know anyone at. And if they are well-connected in that organization, they might introduce you to someone else there. And that way you are multiplying going to one event and meeting multiple people that will then be helpful for you. So I hope those two strategies, online and offline, will help people now. Is LinkedIn the only platform that you pretty much recommend for networking or any other ones that you would suggest? I would definitely say LinkedIn is one of the best. I do have platforms that I'm on as part of different organizations that I'm a member of. So one of the, the best organizations I've been a member of the last about year and a half has been Elevate Network. It is a online networking, used to be in person as well, and they might get back to that format. But currently it's entirely online and is a networking platform for professional women of all caliber, all expertise. You can be business owners, you can be professionals working in corporate, but it's a great, great platform for women, right from, you know, it's people getting right out of college to those who are in very high senior levels of leadership to connect and teach each other and learn from each other. That has been a great platform for me. I would definitely say if there is a chamber of commerce around where you live that you are interested in becoming a member of, I would recommend that. Again, it's very local, so you will meet a lot of local connections out of that. And then on the journalism side of things, anyone listening is into journalism and editorial. I will definitely say two organizations that have been very helpful for me has been SPJ, the Society for Professional Journalists, and another one is the American Business Publications Editor Society. So those two are great for the editorial side. Well, give us some effective strategies on creating a freelance business. I would definitely say start with what you have and what you know. Look at what it is that you are good at that you would like to turn into a business. Now, a lot of people imagine, and this is probably the biggest mistake most of us make going into freelance businesses, is we assume that because we like to do something in our free time or for leisure, that we're going to enjoy doing that for pay. And that's not the same. <laughs> so you have to make sure that whatever it is that you, you think is your strong suit that you would like to turn into a freelance business is something you're going to enjoy doing for clients, that you're going to enjoy doing on a long-term basis, and that is going to be sustainable for you as a business. So you definitely want to do your research, ensure that there is opportunity in the market for the services you're offering, the products you're offering. And I think that is the first step a lot of freelancers tend to overlook. And I would say the other one in terms of freelance businesses is you have to understand, especially if you're going to be a solopreneur, you are the beginning and the end of the business. And a lot of people forget that aside from doing the work itself, which is in my case, if it is writing or editing, aside from that, you are also going to have to do a lot of things, which if you were working for a company would be done by other people doing those functions. You are going to be your own administrative assistant. You are going to be your own accounts payable and receivable. You're going to be your own office supplies manager. There are a lot of things that you're gonna to have to do entirely by yourself. And these take time. So if you imagine that you were going to write and write day in and day out for eight hours and no one was going to stop you, you probably are only going to get four to five hours a day because there are other things that you will need to do. Your social media, your marketing, your outreach, you know, your chasing bills. Sometimes that's a thing, chasing your checks and payments, trying to network with other people. 
So you have to keep in mind that because the idea of going freelance sounds like it's a great opportunity, it might not necessarily be your cup of tea if you aren't going to be willing to do all of these other functions or get to a level where you can then delegate these to others and outsource it. So definitely those are things to keep in mind starting out on a freelance basis. Well, let's talk about marketing and promoting a freelance business. Give us some strategies and tips on that. Sure, absolutely. So what's worked well for me, definitely in terms of marketing and outreach, one of the things I've done, and this is something I talk to a lot of people about, is the power of introductions. Since I am a solo business owner, I do not have necessarily the finances to go around publishing big ads and magazines. I definitely look at web ads or internal magazines and organizations where they give you ads for a reduced fee if you're a member. And that's a place where I would go ahead and publicize my services. I've definitely tried to introduce myself to people I want to work with, you know, editors, project managers, folks that I see are recruiting online actively. I will go ahead and introduce myself, share my expertise. It may not necessarily be a position they're looking for right now, but making that introduction and putting your information on their side, that is taking the initiative and you never know, but that might come back to help you in a later date. So that's definitely been something I've done. Have a website that you are actively updating with all of your work, all the samples that you can share. That's the first place a lot of people will go to. It's very easy to get onto Google today and look for somebody. And the first thing that's gonna pop up typically is gonna be your professional website with all the samples of your work or any of your other websites on any of the big social media channels. So if you're looking to project yourself as a professional in a certain field, make sure that your website and any other channels that you're using for marketing all have the same information, have a really good recent picture of yourself and have your updated latest job, you know, employment opportunities, any awards you've won, any certificates that you've got. You want to make sure that it's all updated and online for people to be able to easily view make it easy for people to find you and work with you. So put all your information on there, you know, give them your professional website and your professional email so they can get in touch with you. Allow for, if you do have scheduling apps that you can use, I would definitely say add those to your website. It gives people an easy way to reach out to you and get a time on your calendar to meet with you. So those are some of the things that have worked really well for me as a really good website, making sure that you've got updated information on all your platforms and, you know, introducing yourself to people, doing, doing those introduction rounds whenever you can. Let's talk about mental health and freelance businesses. Why, oh, yes. <laughs> why is mental health such a hot topic among freelance business owners? Among freelance business owners. So if, you heard the previous answer I gave to all the things you have to think of when you are starting out with a freelance business. Freelancers take on a lot. There, there's so many things that you have to keep in mind. And you might, at the end of it, find yourself overwhelmed. You might find yourself burned out. The process of setting up a business, the process of maintaining that business, ensuring that you have a good enough client list that the money is coming in constantly, right? All of these are important things. And that is just the professional side of things. You also need to make time for your own, you know, for yourself, if that's 
investing in yourself in terms of education or you know health, fitness, what have you. You also have to think about time with your family, time with friends, time to be able to network professionally and personally, and all of this takes in on your time. And for a lot of freelancers, if you are not calculating your time right and you are not scheduling things correctly. Then you will find that you will end up working for yourself hours on end with no end in sight, <laughs> and that definitely adds to the mental health and the mental the mental strain. And that is why it's such a big topic going around right now, especially with the last few years of the pandemic. It has been hard for a lot of freelancers because, in my case, in journalism, in editorial, in publishing media. A lot of the print outlets have shut down. A lot of online outlets also shut down. Existing outlets reduced the amount of work that they were putting out. So it ended up becoming a place where a lot of freelancers had a tough time finding work. And I'm talking solely about the media publishing side of things. It could be different in other areas, but I do know a lot of freelancers had a tough time. Many companies cut their budgets down because they were trying to see how things would go from there. So it has been a tough, especially the last two years have been really tough. And then if you are someone that has dependence on you, if you are a caregiver, it's been a really hard time for freelancers to also be able to handle that. So this is a big mental health is definitely a big topic, and I think that's it's something that a lot of freelance communities are discussing very openly now. And you know, just trying to help everyone with how to manage mental health, how to prioritize self-care, and really how to to really take care of yourself better. Because at the end of the day, if you are not doing good, you can't work at the best levels possible, and that's going to show in your work. If somebody wanted to jump into travel journalism and writing, talk about some tips that could help them get into it. Of course, I definitely say start out with your research as always. Look at who is hiring for travel writing positions. If you want to be a freelancer, look at which outlets are featuring travel stories, and not all of them are going to be travel per se. Some stories might be, you know, related to travel in some way, but not necessarily a direct travel story. And by that, I mean travel story could be what are you going to do for. Five days in New York, but on the other hand, you could also talk about five must-see museums or five great architectural structures, and that isn't necessarily a travel story. It could also go into an art and design magazine. So there's multiple ways that you can look at that, but definitely look at which outlets are featuring travel stories right now. Look at what kinds of travel stories. Is it first first person? Is it you know quick 500 word articles? Is it a full 1,000, 2,000-word piece on a certain destination, and then try to see how you can pitch to the editors. Look at the names of the editors. Look at who is assigning these stories, and try to see if you can pitch them. You definitely want to have some great slants on the destinations that you want to talk about. Just general articles on what to do in LA or what to do in London have been done to death, but. If you have a very unique angle on it, you know something about how can a family of five visit LA on a budget. That might be something interesting for editors to look at. So look at the magazine, look at the audience. Is it a budget 
crowd? Is it a luxury crowd? You know, take a look at what kind of story slants they have going on and then try to go in and pitch your story to the editors there. So definitely do your research. That's a big part. Have a very good story slant to pitch to the editor. That is also a big part. And then this goes generally and doesn't have to do necessarily with freelance writing, but be professional in the way that you work. So if you get a certain project from an editor, make sure that you're following everything they're telling you, have your work submitted on deadline, and you know just make it easy for them to work with you so that if you've been able to make that connect the first time, and then another opportunity arises for them to assign you work, that they will think of you because it was so easy to work with you. Well, I know you've done a lot of traveling in your lifetime. So tell us about the most inspiring places that you've traveled to. Oh, gosh. How much time do we have? <laughs> and I haven't even. I will tell you, I have not traveled to very many places. It's been quite few compared to a lot of folks out there that are full-time travel journalists. But I will say some of the most inspiring places. Oh, my gosh. I think visiting Poland was amazing. A lot of people forget Poland is, is really one of those hidden gems in Europe that many people do not visit. And I say that inspiring because I did get to visit Auschwitz and, and the camps there. And I will say that for someone that only read that in a textbook and you know saw videos and movies about it, to be in that place and to understand what part of human history took place there, I think everyone needs to visit once in their lifetime to understand what happened in our past and how we can learn from that and know never to have to repeat that again in our lifetimes at least. So it was definitely a beautiful city, but an experience um, of my lifetime to be able to be in Auschwitz for sure. I think in terms of really enjoyable, aspiring um, experiences would be, I know everyone would say this the minute they hear of, of Africa or Tanzania, but I have done a safari in Tanzania at the Gorongoro Crater. And I will say that was one of the most beautiful things to be an onlooker and watch really just wildlife and nature in, in its own state of affairs. I think living in cities and, and living in, in, these, in these very, <laughs> what do I call it, busy metros of ours, we tend to forget just how much is out there. And when you're in the middle of all of that, it's, it's really, really beautiful. But yeah, those were, those were two really great experiences to have. So tell us about any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about, any writings, any books, anything like that? Oh, of course. So I definitely will say that I would love for folks to check out Traveler and Tourist. That is my monthly travel magazine. It is digital, so it's online. It is subscription only, so you will have to go to travelerandtourist.com and subscribe to it. But it's monthly. It will come straight to your inbox, and it's 52 pages of all kinds of travel inspiration. It's a very interactive magazine because all of the, the businesses and the experiences are linked on there. So if anyone is interested in, in reading further about it, they can easily click through and move on to the next. So I, I would highly recommend trying to subscribe to it. That is something that I'm working on ongoing, and that is going to be my focus for the next year or so. 
my magazine is actually currently in in the running for a grant, which will help me fund a few more writers next year. So I'm very excited about that. And aside from that, I continue to do my work writing and editing for magazines that focus on diversity and travel and lifestyle. So I'm happy to, you know, at any point, make connections with anyone that is interested on, on any of those topics through my website, which is on booksanawrites.com. Just gave out the website. So you can have any social media links that way people can connect with you that way as well. Of course. So it's traveler and tourist. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me with Roxana Hussein on LinkedIn and on Instagram and on Twitter. All right. There you go, guys. You can definitely connect with Miss Roxana. Why don't you give us some final thoughts before we close it out? Well, I'd definitely like to say thank you so much for having me today, Curtis. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. I hope I have shared a few things that are helpful for someone out there that's on their professional journey, either as a freelancer or a solopreneur. I'm more than happy to speak to anyone or connect with anyone that would like to at any point, you know, hear about anything professionally in terms of networking or introductions. I do welcome everyone to connect with me on LinkedIn. That is where I am most active. I do share a lot of opportunities and reading material on Twitter, and I would recommend that you you connect with me there as well. So thank you so much. I hope everything I've shared has been helpful, and I look forward to hearing more of your episodes, Curtis. Well, I appreciate you. It definitely has been helpful and, and inspiring. And listeners, I would like to ask you to follow, rate, review, share, and connect with Roxana and share this episode to as many people as possible, especially all of business owners and solopreneurs out there. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Roxana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Curtis. It was a pleasure. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.